Are we starting at what, the beginning? What is this? Is this a type five? Is this a podcast? What are we doing? Is this a V-Spot podcast? I think it's a podcast because Andy won't talk. Okay, great. <laughs> we need cue cards. Yeah. You know? If you re- or like a, a, a light. Remember on Full House how when yes. Jesse and the Rippers were recording downstairs, the light was on? Yeah, We need that. We do. I also think cue cards would be very funny because we would be the people to just read exactly what's on them and then be like, wait, what? <laughs> like yeah. we wouldn't edit it in our mm-hmm. minds first. So you could really yeah. screw with us. Yeah. Great. Anyway. Hello. Hello. What's up? Not much. Yeah, same. I got a cat on my lap. I got a cat across from me. That's, you are just living. I got a cat attacking the other cat on my lap just because. Living. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, we're recording, right? Yeah. Yeah, we've been recording. Yeah, yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. I just wanted, I just wanted to be sure. I already said the name of our podcast, too. You did? I think so. Yeah. I think I, think I said, is this the V-Spot podcast? I think I did. Well, I did now. Well, this is the V-Spot podcast, regardless. If you did or didn't, that doesn't change anything. You're listening to the Main Street Vegan. Oh! Not yet. <laughs> Spoilers. <laughs> LOL. Uh, Anyways, so what do you have before we don't have... Oh, we want to We want to get... I forgot we're like doing something right now. Yeah, we're doing a thing. <laughs> we I got, do have a pop culture. It's I do, too. Well... Kind of. Yeah. yeah. I have a thing. You know, okay. I have a thing. I have things. I always have things. Mm-hmm. You want to go with your thing? Um, you can go first because I'm just going to do a quick scan to see if I have anything else. Oh, okay. And what I mean by that is I'm going to check Live Kindly. <laughs> From ABC7 New York. Okay. This is a news story. Oh. Under family and parenting. Oh. I don't, nobody cares who we are. <laughs> this is an interview episode. We are nobody. Andy asked who we were, but now uh, we're not well, saying it. Anyways. Okay. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. No. Sorry, Danny told me I can't. Thanks for ruining it, Kat. <laughs> Whoopsie. We did it. Um, and the title of this article is Vegan Bride Uninvites Meat-Eating Guests from Her Wedding. Is this a future article about you? Dun, dun. <laughs> Executive producer Dick Wolf. Anyways. What is happening? A bride-to-be has a lot of people talking about who she is and isn't inviting to her upcoming wedding. So not only does the woman want her guests to eat vegan on her wedding day, she wants them to give up animal products forever. Anyone who, was re- who refused was promptly uninvited, including her mom and her two cousins, who were bridesmaids. This might have stayed a private matter, but the bride posted something in a Facebook group called Vegan Revolution, asking for advice about her omnivore family, guilt-tripping her into hosting, quote, murderers, unquote. As for reasoning, the bride who is 20 says even though her loved ones were originally invited and agreed to the vegan menu, she couldn't go forward knowing that they would go back to eating meat the next day. She also claims many in her family are anti-vegan and will attack her vegan friends. At least one of those family members responded saying that they have been nothing but supportive and are hurt by the bride's decision. Yo, that is an episode all in itself. (laughs) Right? Let's make sure that we bookmark that for a later discussion because I could go on for a really long time and Andy will get mad. But that is some fucking shit. Right? Yo, that like that that like upsets me. That makes me feel some serious ways, especially because 
like it actually was uh, making me remember some things for also another episode <laughs> around the why people stop being vegan topic oh. because I'm like that's that's what he's talking about the moral high ground that's what he's talking about and I'm like yeah stop sabotaging this like stop being so insane and right. so I was thinking about that I've been thinking about that for the last couple of days like I really have a hard time with the like abolitionist idea of veganism I have a really mm -hmm. hard time with the like 100% perfectionism mm -hmm. idea of being vegan and like I just have a really, really hard time with there being no forgiveness in someone's decision to be vegan. Like, this girl is, oh, I have problems with this girl. Right. <laughs> oh, that is right. so upsetting. Like, your own parents, like your, your, own mother, your own mother, you're going to uninvite your own mother to your wedding because she's not a vegan. First of all, who do you think you are? Second of all, who's paying for this wedding? Third of all, who do you think you right. are? Right, right. I'm, I'm 20 years old, too. So, like, you're a baby still. Yeah. Okay. So, like, yeah. So, you're a kid. So, in, in 20 years, actually, no, no. In 10 years, when you're filing for a divorce, you're probably going to feel real stupid about right. your decision the first time around. So, I mean, I guess when you get married again, you'll get to correct some of those mistakes. But people aren't going to be speaking to you anymore. So, I mean. Right. That is. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And it was funny. That must make you feel some kind of way. Well, it's funny because I saw, I don't even know where I saw it, that it got reposted somewhere and it was like vegan bride. And I, all I saw it was vegan bride. And I was like, well, I'm going to click on this. Sure. And I saw that and I was like, the fuck? Like, what does that, are you, all I ask of my family who, you know, I've gotten the, why can't you just have cheese, whatever at the sure. wedding. All I ask is that they respect my day mm -hmm. not even my dis overall decision you can go ahead and make fun of me for being a vegan i also like toughen up absolutely cupcake like that's right whatever um but all i ask is that on that particular day they respect that it is my mm -hmm. event that's all i ask yeah. and then you know from there that's that's your business yeah and you know what i'll take it one step further respect it to my face you right. want to go back to your table and talk some shit be my guest, but right. respect it to my face right. <laughs> and don't let me catch wind of the shit talking. Right. You know what I mean? Like, keep it, keep it under wraps. Right. Don't make it a thing. Right. You know, you go whatever. ahead and make your comment. You Gee, I wish we had some butter for these rolls. Take yourself through sure. the McDonald's drive through before or after the wedding, much like I would prepare myself a Beyond Burger before my not vegan friend's wedding. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, welcome to the club. Right. <laughs> welcome to the club right. of you wishing there was different food at someone's wedding. Right. And to like go and uninvite. Like, I can't even That's imagine. That's heartbreaking. Because it's like it. That's all I want is just mm -hmm. my day to be respected. Mm -hmm. And people will give you that primarily if you don't approach it like a fucking psychopath. Because that's not respectful. No. That's not respecting your family and your parents. How can and... you ask for respect if you aren't willing to give respect? Mm -hmm. Right? Absolutely. That like that's. And I know we're going to get some shit because people are going to be like, you can't you can't respect people. Who, who are these girls? Who Who is friends with this girl? I don't who, know. Because that must go so far is your entire bridal party on both yours and your partner's sides completely vegan 
Because if not, then you're going to have to rethink some of those choices. Is your partner's family vegan? Because Who's coming to this wedding? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Oh, man. Uh, like I said. We can go on. We're we going to. We're going right. <laughs> to. That's a whole episode in itself. Yeah. That's got me feeling some things. Oh. Yeah. Lordy, lordy. Yeah. No, no, no. What do you got? No, no, no. I've got much tamer things. <laughs> um, Live Kindly is actually really uh, popping today. But um, the first thing that I have is something that Mike sent me actually like moments before we started recording tonight. It's an article um, about how the company Lacoste, is that how you pronounce it? Lacoste? Lacoste? With the little like alligator. Yeah, the alligator. Yeah, is that, is that I think correct? so. I, I don't know. Mm. Um, so the company Lacoste um, re- is replacing its crocodile logo with 10 endangered species to raise awareness. So they're doing um, a partnership with uh, Save Our Species. Um, part- the partnership goes from 2018 to 2020. Um, and the organization is a conservation charity. Um, they're going to launch some limited edition polo T-shirts with 10 different endangered species logos on them. That's cool. Yeah. So um, there will be a so- Saola. Is that how you pronounce that? S-A-O-L-A. I'm, I'm going to be honest and say I don't know what kind of animal that is. I'm not sure either. Uh, well, to be, to be Googled. Um, a Sumatran tiger, a rhino, a gibbon, a... Ca- oh, my God. K-A-K-A-P-O. Kakapo. Oh, jeez. California condor, uh, Burmese roofed turtle, northern uh, northern sportive sportive lemur, uh, a ground iguana, uh, and it says the crocodile logo has not changed in eighty five years. Um, Jeez, yeah, so that's pretty rad that they're doing that. And you know what? Good on them because I don't know what some of those animals are. Right. I was just going to say, I don't <laughs> I'm know. I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> yeah. So that's, uh, you're already creating awareness. So that's pretty rad. That's really cool. Especially because it's like, it's, unpro- you know, they're probably not getting any big payout. Because I know there's skeptics who'll be like, wow, you know, so-and-so is just doing this because it's fashionable or whatever. But well, who know. cares? And also like. They haven't re- they haven't done a different logo in eighty five years. Like that's a right. I think a pretty big deal for them to make such a change, even if it is just temporarily or like for a limited edition series. Still pretty rad. Um, I also have this one's kind of cool. It's a live kindly article um, about how Hershey's is going to commit to stopping animal testing. What? Yeah. What? Yeah, and so as I was reading this, I was thinking, um, you know, for as much shit as I talk about PETA, and they may not be my favorite group, every time I open an article about somebody deciding to end animal testing or deciding to do this or deciding to do that, it's usually because of PETA. So, like, I will give credit where credit is due. But this article says, um, the decision follows conversations with international animal group PETA. Um, The organization pointed out that Hershey's co-authored a 2014 study on mice, despite despite signing PETA's animal statement of assurance against animal experiments in 2007. The experiment, which is uh, conducted in order to establish health claims for marketing chocolate products, involves killing mice, dissecting their brains, and uh, perfusing the slices with protein aggregates affected by Alzheimer's disease or cocoa extracts, then measuring the electrical responses. Yeah. So um, I guess Hershey Vice President... wrote in an email to PETA this, uh, that that study was an anomaly and hasn't happened since and um, has recommitted 
uh, to the original agreement and even added to their website the statement that Hershey's does not conduct, conduct, fund, or contribute to animal testing. So hopefully it will stick. That's disgusting. Yeah. That's like, you know. Yeah. I'm very grateful for that. Yeah, pretty rad. So. I mean, most of their chocolate isn't vegan, but still. Twizzlers. Twizzlers. Fuck Who yeah. wants to give up Twizzlers? I don't want to have to give up Twizzlers. Fuck yeah. And Hershey's chocolate syrup. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Put it in my coffee this morning. Made me a good mocha. So thank you, Hershey's. Oh, this is pretty rad. Um, Here's another article. Live kindly. Ladies and gentlemen, if you are not daily. No, don't. On don't, the daily reading, don't. live kindly. Oh, yeah, I guess because we're just. Because otherwise you won't listen to our podcast. Yeah, we're don't, just going to spew live kindly to you on yeah, the weekly, so it's yeah. fine. Um, so this article um, is about Columbia banning recreational trophy hunting. What? Yeah. Um, the ban pushed forward by lawyer and animal advocate Laura Santacolma will go into full effect in one year's time, giving Colombians time to adapt. Fishing for sport will not be included under the ban, which I'm not surprised by that, but whatever. That's a step. Um, according to the court, recreational trophy hunting is unconstitutional. It causes species numbers to decline and is harmful to the environment. Yes. 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 Listeners. That's yes. I'm here for it. So that's pretty rad. Um, I'd be curious mm-hmm. about like future follow up on what the underground trophy hunting ring now looks like in Colombia because oh you know people are not going to stop doing no, it. No, of course but, not. But um, at least they're taking a stand to um, to ban it. That's pretty rad. Oh my goodness! I also just realized now I have to fish my phone out from the ground because I have to show you something. All right. Um, got anything else from the live kindly? Um, no, I don't. There's, I mean, there's a lot of really good articles on Live Kindly this week, so everybody should go and read the ones that I'm opting to not discuss. But, um, let me show you this, this baby. Is that my new baby? Is he not the cutest little muffin? Little sweet. Is it a doodle? He is, I don't, his name is Murphy. I'm not sure what breed he is. Um, but what I can tell you, he, um, was just adopted by a couple that we actually met on the cruise Mm. when we went on, but like, look at sweet Murphy's and he's, um, she said, Kayla said in the caption, like he's had a bit of a rough life, uh, still timid from his traumatic life, but he's already opening up rescued from a dog meat market in China. Yeah. Oh, look at him. Right. Oh, he looks like a doodle, but that's like a very specific breed. So I don't know. But that's a baby. So like it's, you know, all animals. We love all animals here at the B spot. But it's that one was like really hard. I looked and I was like, what the fuck? That's awful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Ugh. I actually Ugh. had this happen the other day. Someone was talking about horse meat. No. Um, at work, and it was really funny because some. I I really don't usually take offense to that kind of thing. You can talk about whatever. I dissociate from. It. I just do what yeah. you want to do. I don't listen. Yeah, I don't take offense. I, really... I just like more in my head. Like just like stop talking right now. Right. <laughs> right. No, me too. I don't get like personally offended. Like no. I think a lot of people might, but I just am like. 
in the same way I would with a lot of other topics. I'm like, this does not interest me. No, I know. And I would really rather not be listening to it. I It was funny because then everyone else was like, ew, that's disgusting. And I like, it was funny because yeah, I like, so I had hard. started walking away and I like was ready to like shuffle back in slowly and be yeah. like, is it though? <laughs> yeah. Because like, Why is and it actually different? it's funny because the person talking about it was like, well, we don't, you know, we don't eat horse meat in this culture, but it's perfectly normal in others. Well, you know what? And I was like, mm. horse meat, much like future mm. episode, spoiler alert, shark meat mm-hmm. is a hidden ingredient in most like everything you're eating. So ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> you probably are eating horse and just don't know it. Right. Much like if you eat seafood, you are definitely eating shark and just don't know it. Like it's right. it's everywhere. So no, sorry. Yeah. It's flawed logic, fella. So. Anyways, just gross other meat market. I wonder if Kayla would let me use a picture of her dog <gasps> to put on the podcast. Sweet Murphy. He's adorable. Um, well, anything? Um, nah, let's just get to it. Okay. Let's get to the real reason that we're here this evening. Yeah. Speaking of, actually, there's really no good segue. No, uh, for your uh, listening pleasure. And our we, and our pleasure. That's right. Uh, we really delivered, I think, mm-hmm. this week. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I will just say, because I, I, we didn't really um, get too much into. So, for your listening pleasure, <laughs> I'm just gonna back it up. <laughs> we uh, we have Victoria Moran for you on tonight's episode. Uh, we had the pleasure of doing an interview with her, and uh, you are all going to get to hear. The lovely, lovely vocal stylings of Victoria Moran, who is just the sweetest human ever. And um, I was fortunate enough to take her Main Street Vegan Academy course, and I cannot encourage all of you who have the ability to do so to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but also one thing that she does, Danny asks her a great question about resources. And the one thing she actually did not go too much into that I just want to say is Victoria has written a million books and you should read every single one of yeah, them. Yeah, I think <laughs> maybe it's more like 13, I yeah. think, but, <laughs> but like 13 1 million 13. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but her book, Main Street Vegan, is uh, yeah. incredible. It's and so good. I wish I had read it before I went vegan because I think it would have made things a lot easier for me. But even if you are already vegan... It is an excellent, excellent resource, and I cannot encourage people to pick it up enough. Definitely yeah. go get it. It's a great book. And you can hear her. It's interesting. You can, like, hear her voice in mm-hmm. the writing, much like you will hear her voice momentarily. In five, four, <laughs> three, two. Hi, Victoria. Hey. I'm, this is We're so excited. We've um, been really looking forward to this for so long. So thank you for doing this. Oh, I'm thrilled to do it. I'm actually really confused right now. I'm having a bit of <laughs> deja. I don't know. It's not deja vu. That's not the right saying. But it's weird because I hear your voice, Victoria, but you're actually talking to me. And when I listen to your podcast, <laughs> I feel like you're talking to me. But now you really are. Oh, <laughs> that's so nice to hear. Well, you know, isn't that what we all try to do in this amazing vocal medium? <laughs> I mean, it's so interesting that there's there's nothing to look at. And it's really just how we can connect to an audience with a voice. It's kind of magical. Yeah, for sure. It helps when your voice is so nice and <laughs> soothing. 
which yours is. <laughs> oh, that's kind to say. You know, we never think that. At least I certainly never think that about myself. But I'm always really listening for one of those wonderful radio voices, mm. <laughs> you know, kind of the hot vegan cocoa voice. <laughs> Yeah, sounds so nice. Yes, you don't think you have that? <laughs> oh, you do. Well, well, then I'm, I'll believe it. Okay. <laughs> um, we yeah. should probably. We've said. I think you said. Well, hello, Victoria. I but did. we haven't actually said to the people listening to this. Yes, we'll back I it mean, up a second. I just was so excited. <laughs> yeah, we got. We just got a little flustered. But um, so this week we have the one, the only, Victoria Moran. Yay! Welcome to the V Spot Podcast, and again, thank you for doing this. It's my pleasure. It's it's very it's interesting because Kat asked me before if I was nervous, and I'm like, no. And it's, then it's and so then funny when you hit hooked in and started talking. I was like, maybe a little bit. It, it's so funny because Dan, when I said that to Danny, she asked me or she said to me, you know. Because I said I was nervous, and she said, "But you, you've met Victoria, you know you've Victoria." <laughs> I was like, "I know. I think that's why I'm so nervous." Because I, I really look up to you. And uh, when I took Main Street Vegan Academy, which I can't wait to talk more about, it just was so inspiring. And so now it's, it's really cool to kind of come full circle and have you on the podcast and be able to to do this. It's just very cool. Well, it is. And what I love about doing Main Street Vegan Academy and training people to be vegan coaches, and they go out in the world and they do these incredible things. And some of them start businesses and some of them write books for real publishers. And here you are doing a podcast, which you weren't doing before, even though you were doing a lot of great stuff before. But people just seem to get a shot in the arm and then go out and and just do so much for them, animals and the planet and everybody's arteries. (laughs) It's just cool. It's true. When um, when I, I guess if I look at it at a little bit closer too, when I was driving home from Main Street Vegan Academy, I was driving up 87 back to Albany. That's when I initially texted mm-hmm. Danny and, and I was like, I have so much inspiration. I want to do this thing. Let's do a blog. And a blog just didn't work out for Danny and I. So we turned it into a podcast and and that's kind of how we got to to finding our, our voice through podcasting was... Mm-hmm through trying to blog, which didn't work out, which was something that came to me when I was coming back from Main Street Vegan. So it's it's totally true that that course really did something for me, for sure. Oh, well, that means a lot. Actually, the reason the Academy exists, part of the reason, is for a couple of things that I tried <laughs> that didn't work out. Back, oh golly, a long time ago now, probably 2000 six or seven, I started to see that publishing was not going to remain what it had been for the past 20 years of of my career. For, For that two decades, I literally wrote books. I wrote a book almost every other year and that's how I made my living and that was my outreach into the world. And yet when I saw, eh, this internet thing has happened, <laughs> maybe nonfiction books are not going to be the biggest thing ever, I should probably get some kind of backup. So because I had written a lot of self-help books, I had a really big bestseller called Creating a Charmed Life, and I've been on Oprah a couple of times, which was what you were supposed to do back then if you wrote that kind of books. I thought, well, why don't I become a life coach? And all my friends said, oh, no, don't do it. <laughs> You do not have the personality. Yeah, that's just not you. And so many of them said that, that I was thinking, well, don't tell me what to do. (laughs) So I took the course 
and I got the certification and then I started having clients and I didn't like it. And I thought, well, what am I going to do now? Well, maybe I need to train as a health coach because that's more like a teacher and that'd be more like me. So I took that training and that was better, but I realized I'm not a one-to-one kind of person. I'm a one-to-many as a speaker and a writer and that kind of thing. That's just how I, I relate. And yet, because I took those two intensive certification courses and because I practiced in both of those fields, I knew what a really great course for vegan lifestyle coaches would be. So there are no failures. Mm. Oh, I'm, I just got like, I just don't, yeah, Yeah. I just got so enthralled by listening to you say that, like that little story. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. Um, So I guess maybe since, uh, you know, Danny likes to ride the segue, we'll Mm -hmm. we'll ride the segue a little bit. Maybe you can um, tell us a little bit more, maybe about your, how you came to be vegan and a little bit about your journey for those uh, listeners who might not be familiar. Yeah. Well, always loved animals. And I had a really kind of funny family. (laughs) My parents were divorced back in the days when nobody got divorced. And, and then my mother worked back in the days when nobody's mother worked. So I had this nanny that lived with us. And it's because they didn't have daycare. I mean, we're really going back some for your listeners who don't know I'm your grandmother, I'm (laughs) almost 69 um, years old. So I had this nanny who was amazing and she really loved animals and she was in a church that actually recommended vegetarianism and she'd never quite made it to the point where she would identify as vegetarian but she told me about vegetarians and i remember thinking they sound cool Mm -hmm. and so when i was 17 and got into yoga the books all said, if you're going to be serious about yoga, you need to be vegetarian. And vegetarian was pretty easy for me. But when I heard about vegan a few years later, so let's see, I went vegetarian at 19. And then I heard about vegan, probably I was 21. And I knew that was the right thing to do. It was consistent. It was clear. It was logical and it was moral. So why not just do it? Well, I was dealing with a binge eating disorder and I would be vegan for a while. And then I would go off on an eating binge and I'd be at a 7-Eleven in the middle of the night reading the labels and everything had whey in it or egg albumin or something. And I would finally just say, oh, what the heck? Give me the ice cream. And This went on for several years, and finally, I got recovery from my eating disorder in a 12-step program for which I will be forever grateful. And once that happened, I had the power of choice about what I was going to eat, which I'd never really had before. And this coincided with my daughter's having been born, and she was an infant, and I looked down at her in her crib and just thought you've got to raise this child vegan and it has to be consistently vegan. It can't be this kind of thing of, well, you know, we, we don't drink milk at home because the milk is for the baby calf. But when you go out, I mean, what are you going to put in your coffee? It was like, you know what? Maybe I can lie to myself like that. I don't want to lie to this child like that. Mm -hmm. So the combination of the recovery and the baby um, got me vegan in 1983 Wow. And uh, yeah, and it was very different. We didn't have all kinds of vegan 
processed foods and things, which meant that everybody was pretty much whole food, plant-based. But, you know, we didn't have words like that. It was just vegan. And the people that did it more for the animals were ethical vegans. And the people who did it more for their health were health vegans. And we all got along because there were almost none of us. Mm-hmm. So that's my story. It's interesting. I'd like to know now then, segueing back, like not to, to jump all over, but do you notice now saying that everyone got along because there weren't many? Have you noticed that that seems to no longer be the case because there are so many of us, which is great. I mean, the whole world should be vegan, right? We all are here in that in that thought. We should all do that. But it seems to be now the more people that are part of it, that they are choosing sides of ethical vegan versus health vegan versus environmental versus plant-based or, or whatever the case may be. Have you noticed a trend in people butting heads nowadays? Yes. And of course, now that we have social media, it's so much easier to butt heads. Now, we tend to still be pretty polite to one another in person. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. online, all of that decorum just leaves. And then, of course, we're seeing a lot less decorum just in the wider world around us. So It's kind of the Wild West out here. But one of my real causes within this cause is to keep us all lined up together because we are so small. You know, the statistics are very, very hard to get. I mean, it feels, I live in the vegan world. So my work is vegan. My husband is vegan. My daughter's vegan. My friends are vegan. My business is vegan. (laughs) And so, of course, it seems to me like there are more of us than there are. But statistically, it still seems to hover around 3% vegan, 6% vegetarian. In other words, we're like the Amish. I mean, we're, we're not this giant block. We're not a political block. We're not a block that really counts out there in the world. We are starting to count economically. Mm-hmm. And so it's wonderful that the plant-based burgers and things are doing so well. And when some of the super healthy people are like, well, I don't eat that. Well, you know what? I don't eat that either. But that doesn't mean that I'm not thrilled to death that it's out there. And I would really like mm-hmm. to buy some stock in one of them. And you know, the same with the ethical vegan saying, don't talk about health. Just just don't don't say anything about health. It's like, So we're going to take 50% of the people who are not eating animals and animal products and throw them under the bus because their impetus for doing this was different? I mean, we've really got to get over ourselves and be so happy for everybody who's on this path. And what I have seen in 35 years of being vegan and almost 50 years of, of being vegetarian and in this world is that eventually everybody sees everything. You know, you come in for one reason, but you run into so many other people and so much more information that you certainly get the trifecta of the animals, the environment, and the health. And many, many people get all these other parts too, whether it's raising a family or the whole fashion and beauty thing or mm-hmm. investing and, and vegan business and vegan spirituality. I mean, practically anything that you're into, you can find a vegan way to do that. And, and a lot of, of uh, vegan experience that's already there. Yeah. That makes me feel, that's what I want to kind of write in because a lot of what we talk about is people being a little bit combative, especially on social media. Like you said, it's easy 
to hide behind. Absolutely. I um, I've been you know, I've been going around telling everybody about how I deactivated my Facebook because I'm <laughs> I'm really very proud of myself for doing that. And it um so much of the reason was because like you said, Victoria, people don't talk that way to each other in real life. But as soon as you're sitting behind your computer or behind your phone, it's a whole different story. And I just, I, you know, doing the work that we're trying to do with this podcast and doing the work that we're trying to do as activists in general, I just want more authenticity and I want to reach people in a more straightforward way. And in Facebook was just giving me so much anxiety. And I just, oh, I had to take a, a break. <laughs> I just had to take a step back from it. But I did go on for two minutes earlier today to actually find a picture I knew I had posted of you and I from Main Street Vegan Academy. <laughs> so I went on for two seconds to get that picture and then deactivated it again. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> but I also loved what you were saying about, um, you know, you, you end up vegan for whatever your initial reason was. For me, it was for animal rights reasons, but it does lead you down all of these other paths. I had no idea uh, anything that there was any connection between animal agriculture and climate change. I had no idea mm -hmm. that there were as many health benefits as there were. And one of my favorite uh, courses from Main Street Vegan was the one with Joshua Catcher, because I had no idea all of the information around the fashion industry and, and everything that he taught us there. I, that was one of my favorite things, because I truly had no idea of any of that. And, and, it just brings you down all of these other paths that you can learn and see all of the different ways to really make your life more compassionate. Yeah, it's amazing. And everybody loves Joshua's classes. And if any of your um, listeners don't know, Joshua Catcher is um, the blogger at The Discerning Brute and the fashion designer for his own uh, upscale menswear and unisex label, Brave Gentleman. And he's also the author of a hot off the presses. Oh my gosh, this book is so beautiful. It's a coffee table book full of incredible photographs. But also, it's such an in-depth rendering of the history of animal abuse for fashion. You know, we eat them, but we also wear them. And we have, as long as there have been humans. And it's just fascinating. It's called Fashion Animals. So I hope everybody will want to have a copy on their coffee table. Yeah, I can't wait. I definitely want to get a copy of that. Because um, like I said, I that was so informative and so interesting. And um, I, I follow Joshua on social media now and his work is just so beautiful and seems to be uh, really doing very well. So it's really nice to see that uh, that uh, fashion is kind of moving in that direction as well. It is. So many of the big labels taking out fur. And I mean, to us as vegans, it's like, why do they have to move in slow motion? <laughs> it's like, okay, you're going to take out fur, get rid of the leather, get rid of the wool, just do it. Mm -hmm. But they start with fur. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and that's a victory. And I would rather spend my time celebrating victories than lamenting everybody's failings because mm -hmm. the fact is I have a bunch of failings myself and I find that when I focus on all the things I'm doing well, I'm more likely to improve some of the failings than if I just focus on them and think, oh my gosh, you're hopeless. Mm. Oh, man, I hope <laughs> I hope we have one trillion people listen to just, <laughs> if nothing else, just that fragment of you saying that, Victoria, because so many people focus on it's not enough. 
you know, yeah. it's not enough that they didn't take out everything from mm-hmm. the fashion industry or stop all animal testing everywhere, you know, but definitely celebrating those little things and focusing on that helps you overcome what might still be an opportunity Absolutely. in an industry. So mm-hmm. I like that. So you want to talk about the Academy? Yeah, that's all I ever want to talk about is the Academy. <laughs> I remember she came back a different a different person. Yeah. Tru- truly. Um and I think you had to pull over on that drive. I think I did. And what's me. funny <laughs> is um, Danny, Danny confessed to me recently that when I mm. attacked her with the idea to do this blog, that she had not yet 100% committed to being vegan. Mm-hmm. So my kind of coming and saying, let's do this thing was part of what got her there 100% because I apparently was a little aggressive in my approach. She was. And I was like, oh, well, I better be vegan if I'm going to do a vegan blog. So, okay. I was under the impression that she had already gotten there, but I, I guess I was incorrect. I just found that out recently. So um, so that it's funny that I guess Mean Street Vegan indirectly helped Danny a little bit as yeah. well on her journey. But I, um, I, t- I mean, so many of my friends who are so um, – involved in the activist community. I am always talking about the Academy and how much I enjoyed it. And, you know, part of what I enjoyed was getting to to meet you, of course, and all of the other instructors um, that you bring in. But it's such a great networking opportunity. The other students in the Academy are still people that I talk to on social media and still it's so wonderful to see, you know, what they're doing. And is there any collaboration between that I can get involved with them? Can I help them in any way? And it's just such a great community that you've created. And I and I I just love seeing the progress of it. It feels like a real gift because it was not anything that I set out to do. You know, I think we pretty much know early in life what our gifts and talents are and what we're supposed to do. And I've always been a speaker, a writer, a word person. The idea of business just never crossed my mind. I never thought I would ever have a business. And I would go to some of these kind of self-employed support groups and things over the years. And people would get up and say, you know, I'm Joe and I'm a business owner. And I'm thinking, well, I'm Victoria and I'm not a business owner. I'm the business. You know, I'm a writer, (laughs) this entity. But what happened when uh, I wrote the book, well, I, I wanted to write the book, Main Street Vegan, and my editor had told me that they hated Main Street. So I was trying to write the book and come up with a different title. And I wasn't doing very well with that. And we had a vegan miracle. And I really do believe that this is the age of the vegan miracle, simply because this is the time when non-human beings are finally starting, just starting, to be looked at as actual individuals with with rights and needs. And so I think in some of these ways, we get a little bit of help. And the help that I happened to get that day, my husband and I were walking up Broadway in New York City, and we saw somebody so famous, you can recognize him from the back. Mm -hmm. And that was Michael Moore, Mm -hmm. the filmmaker. And he had liked one of my earlier books. And so I just gave my card to this woman who was with him. I didn't want to act like a fangirl or something and went on up the street And then I hear Victoria and it's Michael Moore following me up Broadway and saying, we need to talk. We need to talk about food because I'd written a, a food book that he'd read. And so he called me and we started having these conversations. And one evening we were talking and I just mentioned this book that I'm writing is supposed to be called Main Street Vegan. Publisher doesn't like that. He said, let me talk to them. 
So they're wrong. Let me talk to them. And we had a three-way call with an Academy Award winner (laughs) and my skeptical editor and me. And he convinced her and she convinced the higher-ups. So she called me three days later. It was a Monday afternoon. And she said, okay, the book is Main Street Vegan. And the minute she said that, it was just like somebody had popped a cork and all the bubbles were coming out and they were spelling out things like Main Street Vegan Podcast, Main Street Vegan Productions, Main Street (laughs) Vegan Academy, Training Vegan Lifestyle Coaches and Educators. And it's like, whose life is this? (laughs) Surely not mine. And yet it is mine. I was basically given the work for the rest of my life, which is is such a, a blessing. And the Academy is just a really, really key part of all of that. So we did the first one in June of 2012. And to this day, I don't know how anybody found out about it because I hadn't been writing much in the vegan world. I'd I'd been doing more self-help books and spirituality books. I had a little reputation left from when I'd done vegan books back in the 90s, but it certainly wasn't new or fresh. I was not terribly involved on social media. I really don't know how it happened, but 13 humans made their way (laughs) up here to South Harlem for that first class, and it's just worked ever since, and I just love you guys so much. All my graduates are just, they're just, I don't know, isn't there something in government called most favored nation status? (laughs) And I have to say that my graduates are kind of most favored favored human status, because I just am so grateful that you guys have come from wherever you've come from and trust me and spend a week of your life here. So we now have um, over 400 graduates from 28 countries and six continents. (laughs) So uh, it's pretty cool. Where would you say is the furthest away somebody has come from because I know in my class we had a woman from Spain um we had a a woman from Hawaii but I know you've had some some serious travelers come in for the class yeah we've had two people from Australia we had a young woman from Saudi Arabia although she didn't come here from there for the class she was in school at NYU then we had a young woman come from Tanzania And that to me is probably the most exotic because I had to look it up to see exactly where it was. (laughs) I knew it was in Africa and I knew it was sort of close to Malawi because my daughter's in-laws were in the Peace Corps. And so they go back every year as physicians to work in Malawi. And I know that they've been to Tanzania, but I didn't quite know where it was. So I think those have been our farthest away people. Then we also had somebody from South Africa And uh, she and her family have now moved to the States and they're living out in Washington, but they traveled from South Africa to get here. (laughs) Wow. Jeez. And how do you find that people hear about the Academy? Because I know for me, I was, I remember it clear as day, which is so funny, but I was sitting on my couch one afternoon and I was literally Googling, um, vegan classes or, you know, it's different. I I was looking for exactly what you do. I was Googling, you know, vegan classes, coaching classes, comma, vegan. Like I was looking for that kind of thing. And, um, a, some information on PETA about on their website about the Academy came up. So that's how I found you, but I'm curious about, uh, how other people, especially in places like Tanzania are finding out about (laughs) the Academy. It's, it's almost always Googling. 
Mm. And one of the things that I tell um, all the students who are going to be getting websites and going into a business of whatever kind, that your SEO, your search engine optimization is so important because people aren't going to go through 20 pages looking for your program. You really got to uh, get that going. So that's always been something that um, that I've done. And we come up very nicely on Google. Thank mm-hmm. you, Mr. Google. So that's <laughs> probably, I would say 50% of, of the people who find us, find us that way. And the other 50% is just such a wonderful potpourri. Some of them have read one of my books. Some listen to my podcast. Mm. Others have been referred by other graduates. Um, and some people have heard me on somebody's podcast, like mm-hmm. this one. <laughs> and um, But here's my favorite story. There's a young woman from upstate New York, active duty Air Force, and she and her boyfriend were watching a cult movie from several years ago called Scott Pilgrim. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. The world. Yeah. 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 And there's a line in there where somebody says, but how do the vegans get their superpowers? Mm-hmm. To which uh, the answer comes, they go to the vegan academy. So after the movie, she Googled vegan academy. <laughs> and found <laughs> us that way. That's funny. <laughs> that's actually really cool. <laughs> I know. That's very cool. That's a great story. I love that. Oh, man. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, cause I have not been lucky enough to attend the Academy myself yet. I was going to say yet. Yet. <laughs> yet. Um, but do you have any, because you have all these years of knowledge, these resources, um, what do you recommend? Like those of us who can't attend the Academy yet, or maybe they, people can't travel or, or whatever the case may be, they can't come to the Academy. What do you recommend would be the best resources at home, the best things that people can do to create their own little academy? Like what are what are Victoria Moran's like at home academy tips? <laughs> well, it's it's different. I mean, for the academy, this is training people who want to be professional vegans, people right. who want to either start a business or or work with other people. So that's another layer of the thing. But to just get very, very involved with being vegan, to get very excited about it and and make it a, just a, a very sparkling part of your life. I think one thing is just to get very well educated. And there's so many ways to do that now because there are so many podcasts and websites and books and lectures and things like that. There are online courses. I mean, the Mm. T. Colin Campbell course is really good for people in the health aspect. Um, The um, Mark Reinfeld um, vegan fusion cooking uh, courses are wonderful. Uh, He has one for teaching other people how to cook. So you can actually be trained as a cooking teacher, a vegan cooking teacher. And then there's a Ruby cooking school and there are all of these other ways to get educated and and learn things. And I think to have a real support of even a couple of friends who are committed to this, just like you are, because it's so hard for some people because maybe They're in a family where they're the only vegan. Sometimes they're teased or made fun of, which is so hard to even 
fathom that adults would do that to somebody else just because they made a different nutritional choice, Mm -hmm. I guess some people would call it, but they are. And so to really have that support, I love meetups. And what's great about meetup is even in some of the smallest towns or some of the most rural areas, there are vegetarian and vegan meetups and and they meet regularly and, and they're active. So I think those are some of the biggest tips. Just find out how to fall in love with it. You know, it's one thing to say, oh my gosh, what I see being done to these animals is so horrible. I'm going to be vegan and fix it. But a lot of people don't stay with it, even with the best motives, because they haven't figured out a way through the social morass of people maybe feeling guilty that they're not vegan too, or just feeling like it's so a cultural mm-hmm. you know, like everybody does it this way we've always done this you know we go out for pizza on saturday night and we go to grandma's for roast beef on sunday and i mean it's just it's what we do and then here along come the vegans saying well we're going to disrupt all of that and <laughs> i think we have to be able to um get them past the disruption part <laughs> so that they can see what maybe is in it for them ethically, healthfully, environmentally. Go get some vegan pizza. Yeah. Tell yeah. grandma to make just the potatoes and vegetables instead of the poppers yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I like that though. That's really good. I didn't know about the um, online classes, actually, mm-hmm. especially you should have seen, well, yeah, you should have seen slash heard. <laughs> I could hear it in Andy's eyes, uh, silent producer, when you said the, you know, you can basically become a teacher to teach other people to cook vegan. He lit yeah, he up. Did it yeah, he made a crazy <laughs> face. So that's really cool. That's that's nice to think of different ways to educate yourself at home. Maybe while you're waiting to be able to go to the academy. Yeah, I know. Um, rural. Uh, we have our one of our favorite people, fans of the podcast. <laughs> Kiki is in Wyoming, and she has a catering business out there, vegan um, cooking and baking, and recently started teaching a class. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. So I, did, yeah. I think that's pretty cool. She said there's not many vegans around her in Wyoming, but just by her hosting that, she let a couple of people, you know, into yeah. her into her home, I believe it was right in her home. Yeah, I was so. saying to Danny earlier that um and it's because we don't we don't know Kiki. We just know her through the podcast, which is funny. But I was saying to Danny that what I know about Kiki, I um I'm looking forward to her hearing this episode because I think she would love the Academy. I think that would be something that would be so great for her mm-hmm. being um because one of the things about her too out there is that there's not very many, if any, vegan businesses where she is. Right. So she's kind of in this really great place where she can ignite some interest. And I was saying to Danny that I think that the Academy would be so great for her. But so hopefully she'll look into oh, it. Oh, I hope <laughs> she will. We are not anybody from Wyoming. We actually have two graduates from Montana. Um, wonderful, wonderful animal rights people who do all kinds of food samplings, like one of them is Bonnie Goodman, who's an artist and her artwork has a lot of vegan stuff on it. (laughs) And she has a group out there called Live and Let Livingston in Livingston, Montana. Mm. So, you know, I think we're just all in the right place at the right time to lift this world up 
whether our activism is, is for animals or is directly vegan, or one of the things that I think is really important too, is just because you're vegan, it doesn't mean your activism has to be vegan or mm -hmm. animal rights has to be your biggest mm -hmm. passion because there are people who have other passions and maybe they're interested in, in ending human tra trafficking or you know uh, working about um, civil rights issues or whatever it is. That is all great. Just be vegan. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> then you're saving trees and saving animals and saving the planet. Plus, you'll be really well nourished to do all of your other good work in the world. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I love that. Yeah. Um, and I know uh, when, when you are uh, mentioning all of the different things that you can do as options at home um, for you know, educating yourself and inspiring yourself. And one of the things that um, really helped me when I first went vegan and still helps me to this day, I get really excited um, when there are new announcements, which is why I'm so excited about what you're working on is documentaries. I know Yay. documentaries are such a big thing for people. And um, when I first went vegan, it was it was so helpful to have all these things right at my fingertips that I could watch and hear what other people had discovered and new ways of thinking. And I know that you're currently um, about to release a brand new documentary. So I thought maybe we could chat a little bit about that. Oh, absolutely. You scared me when you said documentaries with an S. <laughs> th this is the hardest work I've ever done. And I'm not even the filmmaker. I'm just the producer. But I think about my life and I think about raising a daughter. I was a single mother for most of her growing up. We homeschooled. I've written 13 books. And it's like, nope, never worked this hard ever wow. <laughs> at anything than doing this film. But I think it, I'm just so, so excited about its potential to reach people. So the story behind the film is that my podcast isn't exactly a podcast. It's a radio show first, a live internet radio show on Wednesday afternoons, and then it goes up as a podcast by the next morning. But three years ago, we got more live listeners. Now we have more podcast listeners, but more people used to listen live and they would call in, especially on the days that we had a giveaway. And we had a book giveaway and this gentleman called in and he asked the uh, engineer if I would call him. So I did. And he told me that he had met me once when I had spoken at a church here in New York and that he was a filmmaker, that he had earned a Student Academy Award when he was in film school for a short subject. And that's pretty cool. That's, mm. you know, comes through the actual Motion Picture Academy and it's a pretty elite thing to have. And he said, I want to do a movie to encourage people who are religious or spiritual to look at going vegan. Would you be my producer? And, you know, that's almost like asking somebody if they would be your surgeon if they're not a doctor. <laughs> it's like, uh, I don't know. And yet, on the other hand, he was so sweet. And he just said, you know, I'm not looking for money. I'm looking for contacts. And I'm like, well, those I have. So we started working together three and a half years ago, actually. And he's done all the film part. You know, he's there with the camera and interviewing the people and all that. And I've been behind the scenes. And now I don't know when your podcast will air, but um, our 
New York City premiere is or was, depending on when people are listening, uh, March yeah. 5th. This will go up. This will go, this up, will go Friday. up Friday. So yeah. it oh, great. Will okay. be. Plenty so, of time, listeners. <laughs> oh, well, if you're in New York, oh my goodness, come to the premiere. Help give this beautiful movie a, a great send off. It's uh, tinyurl.com slash compassion film. You can learn all about the movie. It's uh, called A Prayer for Compassion. And it grew, you know, it's such an interesting thing. And one of the wonderful things about documentary, as opposed to a feature film, because I've got one of those too. I don't know if it'll ever happen because feature films take so much money. But with documentaries, you can literally start with nothing. And that's exactly where we started. But people showed up and some people showed up at the executive producer level and they enabled and in fact uh, required Thomas, the filmmaker, Thomas Jackson, to expand this film beyond his original plans, which was to talk to a lot of um, vegans from different religious and spiritual traditions around the U.S., but those executive producers enabled him to go to Morocco, to the climate conference, the UN climate conference, and also to India and look at, at the connection there. It's not so much to dairy because a lot of Indians are vegetarian, not so much to meat, a lot of Indians are vegetarian, but to dairy, it's such an entrenched cultural tradition. And and to go there and and just try to figure out what's going on with the dairy. And he's done such an amazing job to bring all these diverse elements into this beautiful, beautiful film that basically says the essence of every spiritual tradition is love. Let's expand that and apply that to the way we live our lives. Wow. That's very exciting. I I think I remember uh, when I was taking the academy, you had maybe a short clip or there. I remember you talking about it, and that was the fall of two thousand and sixteen. So it's been yeah, a, it's, it's been, been a, a journey. <laughs> That's yeah, these awesome. take a while. There's so many details and so many you know, little things to fix and tweak, and it's really gotten me into areas that are very much outside my comfort zone, you know, for someone who's just spent years being a writer and kind of outside that corporate, businessy, legal kind of world. And with a film, even just to do the documentary and and serve some wine from the mm -hmm. lovely people of Vegan Wines. I mean, we have to get all these permits and licenses. I feel like I'm trying to open a tavern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's a lot of work and it's, oh my gosh, already, it's so exciting. We've done some test screenings in other parts of the country just to get people's feedback and ideas before we premiere and launch in our theatrical release, which is going to be March until August, and then we'll go digital after that. But at one of the pre-screenings down in Florida, a man came up to me afterward who has been a health vegan his whole life. His parents were actually health vegans back when he was born in the 50s. Oh, wow. And so he'd never had animal products to eat but he always wore leather shoes, leather belts, leather briefcases, wool suits, blah, blah, blah. He mm -hmm. said, until I saw this film, I never thought about any of that. And I want you to know, 
I've bought my last pair of leather shoes, my last wool suit. Now I get it. So that kind of aha is what we're looking for because we want to make vegans. And then what we also want to do with this film is get people who are part of a religious community of, of any sort to have animals and food in the conversation. And I know a lot of people are not part of those communities at all. It's just not part of their life. But for the many people who are, in fact, 6.9 billion people on the planet identify as religious, these are people who, by and large, are not afraid of wrestling with tough issues. You know, they're talking about, you know, are they going to be sanctuary churches? And, and, and what about war? And, and what about uh, abortion? And they're just in there, you know, wrestling with these issues. But if somebody says, do you think maybe we could have vegan cookies after church on Sunday? There's practically a riot. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> if that uh, We've talked about similar, similar ideas before about how different groups of, of people, whether it's religious groups or what have you, they do. They wrestle with all of these ideas. But then the second you mention being vegan, it's like, forget about it. That's the mm -hmm. worst thing you could possibly ever suggest is mm -hmm. <laughs> just a, a change in your food choices. And, and it, that's the worst thing. <laughs> it really is. It's a, a powerful idea, really. And and I'm um, really intrigued by the documentary and the whole idea behind it. Because And correct me if I'm wrong, but there's not really an animal rights film out there right now that goes about it from a spiritual or religious perspective, right? No, we're, we're first. We hear yeah. that there's another one coming. Um, but yeah, this is the first one to, to approach this group of people. And they're an interesting group. And, and one thing I, I want to be clear for your listeners who are thinking, well, I'm not going to see that movie. I'm not religious. It's like, no, if you're vegan or you're interested in veganism, you will love this movie. Mm -hmm. It's a sweet, sweet story about Thomas, the filmmaker and his little girl and, and his journey. So you'll love it regardless of, of what your um, religious beliefs or, or lack of them are. And yet the target audience is these religious or spiritual people who have already said, I hold to certain values. And what a lot of the people interviewed in the film who are clergy or otherwise very schooled in a particular faith are all saying is these teachings are in our faith. Sometimes you just have to go a little deeper and you have to brush aside some of the cultural practices that have, have gotten in the way of the actual core teaching of every tradition that we could find and interview people in. It's about, as, as our, we have one person we interview who's a Zoroastrian, and she talks about their thing of good thoughts, good words, good deeds. And that's basically in different words in, in all of these traditions. And we just want good mm -hmm. <laughs> to not just be good to one another. And I realize that's hard too. We haven't mastered that yet, but it's so much easier with animals because they're not going on social media and being obnoxious. Oh my God. I was just going to say, like, how easy is it to... Like you can rely on, and I know this is 
most people can rely on dogs, cats, mm-hmm. birds, whatever, you know, whomever their pets or animal companions might be. But like, it's, it's very reassuring. You'd think it'd be easy because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you have a bad day, you go home to your animal companion and they don't, they just love you mm-hmm. unconditionally. Yeah. So they just, you know, it's easy for me and hopefully for other people, especially this to see like, oh, they all deserve that too. We yeah. should love all of them unconditionally mm-hmm. as well. Yes. It, it's so interesting how we compartmentalize. I remember reading something um, written by a woman who lives um, somewhere in the Middle East where it's very repressive for women. But she made the comment that in her culture, postmenopausal women can get a pass and become an honorary man. <laughs> and they get, you know, more privileges and, and more power in the community because I guess they're not considered, you know, objects of sexual attraction or whatever it is. But we do honorary human for certain animals. Mm. So our dog, not all dogs, there are right. 600 million stray dogs on planet Earth. Right. So not all, but our dog, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's a family member, you know, our cat, our horse, whatever it is. And yet, in fact, I, I was talking to a gentleman at a, a synagogue here uh, about coming to see a prayer for compassion. And he was just charming, lovely man. And I was telling him a little bit about the movie, but I guess I hadn't mentioned the food part. I, mm. <laughs> I talked about animals and he said, so you must be a dog lover. And I <laughs> said, yes. And cows and pigs and chickens. And he said, oh, it's like that. You're one of those. <laughs> because you can love dogs and you don't have to do anything. You don't mm-hmm. have to adopt a dog. You don't, you know, you can pet somebody else's dog and you can say, oh, yeah, I love dogs. But if you really say, I love pigs, and then you have bacon, something's not computing. Yeah. That's a, a, I love that way of explaining it too. Cause that's even, even I'm sitting here thinking, huh? Yes. The whole idea of an honorary human and how you don't have to, you know, necessarily change the way you live your life to prove that you love dogs and cats. Right. But if you are going to say, oh, cows are my favorite animal, but yet you're eating burgers, that does imply a little, little bit of confusion on your part. And even I'm sitting here thinking, oh, wow, that's a really great point. Right, that's a really great point. <laughs> so, you know, it's just so interesting how, how easy it is to separate those ideas, but at the same time, how easy it is to put them back together, mm-hmm. you know? I'm very excited for this, for your documentary Me as well, too. because I'm a firm believer that there will always be a documentary that will reach a human being. Mm-hmm. It might not be what the health, it might not be a prayer for compassion, it might not be, you Fox know, the last lives, pig. Whatever, yeah. It might be something entirely different. Maybe it's blackfish. Who knows what sure. it is? But there are so many documentaries out there that will speak to a person and will bring them around mm-hmm. to the um, you know, to the lighter side, I would sure. like to mm-hmm. think. And I think I- by having a prayer for compassion exist. Yes. That's a whole, as we already said, it's a whole untapped market of sure. people that can just see the light. I mm-hmm. think it'll just 
hopefully switch for them. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much. Well, if anybody wants to watch the trailer, they can go to a prayerforcompassion.com. You do have to put the A in, in front of it and you can watch the trailer and read more about the film. And you can also host a screening in your area. So if you can't make it to New York for the uh, the premiere, or there's going to be a, a screening at the C Theater, S-I-E, in Denver on March the 10th. Um, if you're somewhere that there isn't already a, a screening planned, you can actually host one yourself. We've partnered with TUG, T-U-G-G, and they make it possible for people to show films in theaters, and they do the liaison with the theater, so you don't have to do that. And you can also work privately uh, with us if you prefer to show it in a religious institution or a library or something like that. We just want lots and lots of people to get to see it on the big screen and get some buzz going. So lots of people will want to uh, download it when we go digital in the fall. Yeah, that's I, I'm I'm also really excited about it. And Danny and I are both kind of sitting here nodding and making eye contact <laughs> as we hear you describing the ways that you can do a screening in your local city. So we may have some more questions for you about that after yeah, the offline, podcast. <laughs> maybe we'll have to. Uh... Um, but I I was thinking too about how it's also such a you know documentaries and podcasts really do reach a certain audience too because they're people love entertainment right people love signing into Netflix and seeing the new documentary about animal rights or human rights or environmental this or you know all of these different things people love whatever new podcast is out this week and it's just such a a a thing that people really respond to so I'm excited for the reach that I think this documentary is really going to have because it, it it's such a powerful thing I think I think right now in the history of of our movement, and I'm talking about the whole vegan world, whether we're coming from the animal rights side through uh, Earthlings and Dominion and and those kinds of films, or the the health side with Forks Over Knives and What the Health, and even films that aren't particularly vegan, but they make a lot of vegans, like I'm thinking uh, Fat Sick and Nearly Dead. Mm -hmm. And it's so, I I tell Joe Cross, who was in that movie, that he's like Typhoid Mary about (laughs) veganism. You know, he hasn't caught it, but he's sure given it to a lot of other people. (laughs) And the documentaries are just so powerful. And for a long time, it was books. Mm -hmm. You could almost look decade to decade at which book brought people into this movement. And now that's shifted and it's which documentary. And I don't know what's coming next, but I think it's really important that we ride the wave of where people are right now, Mm -hmm. because we need to be where their eyes and ears are and sharing this information. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I'm so excited Mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. Oh, man. So what else? Is there anything you would like to bring to the table or anything that you would like to say, Victoria, I guess, to our listeners or us? Oh, wow. Well, just thanks for listening. And if you do like podcasts, I hope you'll give mine a listen. It's called Main Street Vegan. And we have um, archives going back seven years and uh, try to have fascinating guests uh, every week, as I know that uh, that, uh, Kat and Danny do as well. So that's a thing. But I think just in general, you know, in the whole kind of vegan world, this is the one way 
that a person can live and do tremendous good on your very worst days. Because most people have days that it's just like, oh, what did I get up for this one? <laughs> you know, things are just not working. I haven't accomplished what I set out to accomplish. You know, I didn't make the bed this morning, whatever it is. But if you're vegan, you've saved trees, you've saved animals, you have done something wonderful for this world. And as I am coming into these kind of later stages of life and thinking more about legacy and stuff like that, I'm so grateful that I discovered veganism when I did, because that's just something that no matter what else happens and what else I did right and what else I did wrong, the being vegan has made a, a definite impact on this world in a positive way. And if I can get to the end of my life without regrets, that's going to be a pretty good life. It was so nice. I love that. I was just thinking like, um, it wasn't too long ago. I said I was a code orange at work, which is a distressed <laughs> person. And I wish that I had thought something like that, that mm -hmm. just, you know, just mm -hmm. existing being a vegan, really. Sometimes it, it's easy to forget that, but it's easy to remember it as well. Mm -hmm. so. Well, and when you're in a code orange time, it's impossible to remember. Mm -hmm. oh, and know. so when you're really stressed, really anxious, really depressed, and I'm not talking clinical depression and medication mm -hmm. and that I'm just talking about, oh my God, I feel rotten, <laughs> those kinds of days. It is almost impossible to access all your wisdom. So that's when you need a really good friend to remind you of your wisdom. And I actually write stuff down. Like I have a sign on the inside door of my closet that tells me all the things that I absolutely love and that make me really, really happy. Because on days when I can't think of one of those, like people will say, just get away from all the work. Just go do something you enjoy. I don't even know what I enjoy. But I can look on the inside of that closet door and I can be reminded that I really enjoy hot baths and I really enjoy going down to Greenwich Village and walking around. You know, it's like this is not rocket science. Why I can't remember it on some days, I think, is just because it's human sometimes to self-sabotage. Mm. But if you've got a little reminder of what wakes you up, I had a very wise person say to me years ago, you have to have places where you recognize yourself. So mm -hmm. whatever that is, if it's a cafe and you take your laptop and you do something creative, or maybe it's a park, you know, it just depends on who you are. Where do you recognize yourself? Because that's where you're going to refresh yourself. Mm -hmm. oh. I love it. <laughs> um, it's so, so great. we have one we yes. have our closing question that we always yes, ask, we guess, always but ask our guests. Before we ask that, I want to point out um, earlier on in this interview, you mentioned being everyone's or some of our listeners' grandma. Um, <laughs> I did want to note that you are, in fact, a hot grandma <laughs> because you were, you were voted. Yes. What? Yeah. PETA's sexiest vegan yeah. over 50, right? Yep. Yeah. 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 Yep. So don't discount. Age doesn't matter. So yeah, and all I, this and hotness too. Yeah, <laughs> I think I told you this uh, one. I think I've already told you this, Victoria, but Danny and I did the um, Hudson Valley Veg Fest this past fall. And I cannot tell you how many people that came up to the table said to me, 
has anyone ever told you you look like Victoria Moran? And I was like, thank you. Every time Kat was like, oh my God, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, that's so cool. You know what it probably is because we both really like makeup. Yes. And I have, I, I mean, it's been a minute since I've seen you, but I have bangs and my hair is cut very similarly to yours now. So yeah. I was like, oh, thank you. Thank you. Everyone who told me that. I, I, I was, was thinking about um, exploiting that and being like, she is Victoria Moran. <laughs> But we didn't. She's she's her own unique person. Um, but our final question, and this might be the most difficult. This, this challenges people. Mm. Victoria, what is your favorite vegan meal that exists? It can be from a restaurant or something that you cook or a family member cooks, but your all-time favorite vegan meal. Wow. <laughs> Every time. We save it for the end because well, it's a Well, you know, when you said all-time favorite, the most memorable meal of my life, it was vegan. I was not vegan yet. I was 26. And we were doing a road trip through the Northwest, which was stunning. It's not like any other part of North America. I mean, um, your friend out there in Wyoming knows this. <laughs> it's It's just empty and big and blue skies and incredible, but the pickings had been very slim in terms of any food that I wanted to eat. So we were in Spokane, Washington, and I had mushroom stroganoff. Mm. And I think to this day, it's probably the best food that I can remember. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> so there is a mushroom stroganoff recipe in uh, Main Street Vegan. I had to put that in there. And then um, I have another one that's a little bit simpler and, and gluten-free that I still cook here at home. So I'm going to go with that, mushroom stroganoff. Mm, that sounds delicious. I, I know I'm going to go get that recipe and mm-hmm. give that a try. Yeah. Mm. I like that. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I actually made a mushroom stroganoff. Not too long ago. It was yeah. pretty. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a mushroom person. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm not always, but I like mushroom things like mushroom soups. I like that. So you can make me a mushroom stroganoff if you want, Danny. Oh. Okay. <laughs> I'll give it a try. Awesome. Wow. Well, that's, we always end on food because everyone likes to think about yes, food. Yes. So. a good way to cap it. And it brings people together. Mm-hmm. Well, awesome. Thank you so much, Victoria. Yeah, this was fun. Thank Thank you you for having me. This was so much fun. Yes. It was like being over for lunch, all except the lunch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, next, let's see. Yes, we'll do that for real sometime. Yeah, I was going to say maybe for real sometime. (laughs) That sounds great. We can impose on your very busy schedule being a producer (laughs) and all these other fancy things. We'll bring you lunch. Yes. I'll hold you to it. All right. Sounds (laughs) good. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you both. All the best. Well, that was a really great interview. Loved every second of it. I feel like we didn't get too awkward in there either. No. Like a little bit of fangirling. I was, I just felt so, like really honestly honored that she would even do this podcast. That she would take an hour out of her night to chat with us. It was just very cool. And she did her, oh my God, I, now I'm like blanking, but she did her normal sign off that she does with Main Street Vegan too. Mm-hmm. At the end, I was like, oh, 
It was so weird, though. My my brain truly was having a hard time processing that she was actually talking to me, that I wasn't just listening to I a know. recording of her. I know. She's got such a lovely voice. She really does. I can't believe she was. Ta- she doesn't think that she has <laughs> one of those. We're just going to spend another hour fangirling over Victoria Moran. But, well, like, honestly, what a We can just go, human. We can go listen to her. Yes. Again, and then listen to her. Um, oh, my God. How many episodes of Main Street Vegan does she have now? A million. Yeah. Not really, but a lot. Quite a few. Yeah. So, yeah. We'll go do that. Yeah. I want mushroom stroganoff now. Yeah. But did you have any good food or, like, now? Some weeks you just don't. You're I like, don't what the fuck so. did I eat? Have I eaten in the past like I week or so? I cannot remember anything remarkable that I've eaten in the last yeah. week. I like had some cinnamon toast crunch yesterday. I don't know. Yeah, I get that. There's weeks, <laughs> yeah. especially if you've been gone, like traveling yeah. or something. And I'm like, yeah, well, I had toast. What did I do? I worked. <laughs> what did I even do? I have like I have no memory of the last week. What did I do with my life? Anyway, no, you go. I mean, I did. I <laughs> so I will start with actually grocery store stuff. Yeah. Um, went to Wegmans. Bless Wegmans for the love of God. Wegmans is all things right with this world. Um, and I found the Chobani non-dairy yogurt. Mm-hmm. I haven't tried the actual container of it yet, but the drinkable yogurt is so fucking good. Is it? It is not chalky at all. Nice. Um, it's a coconut-based yogurt, nice. which my I fave. I like it. It's mm-hmm. my favorite. Um, yeah. I, I always had... buy so delicious yogurt because it's coconut and it's my favorite. Yep. yep. I um. I got the strawberry and the mango drinkable, and it was just... That sounds good. It was perfect. It was like... wasn't too tart, because mm-hmm. I know you don't like too tart. I don't. Um, but it didn't taste fake sweet. I don't think it has any added sugar in it. It's really? just like a natural... It's so good. Oh, come on, so Albany. So come around Albany, hopefully. Um, and then we found another interesting thing of note is a different oat milk. Planet oat hmm. is what it is. Um, and they had... Original and vanilla, I think. I actually noticed last time I was in ShopRite that there's a million options for oat milk now. I think Silk makes an oat milk. Did there's you find like... oat yeah? That Silk is called, it says oat yeah. Oh yeah, it's at, it's um, at, ShopRite? It's at ShopRite. I've been looking for it because yeah. I want to try it. It's at ShopRite. Interesting, I'll have yeah. to try it. Because I like the one in Iskuna. Oat milk is like yeah. my milk yeah. of choice. Yeah, me too. So. Yep. I have to try that. Yeah, I saw it, and I and there was uh, there was another brand too. I was like, oh man, everybody's making oat milk now, which pleases me because I love Oatly, but I like to you know I like to try my options and see what's what. Yeah, yeah. But the other thing that I did while I was in the um, Western New York area was go to Stronghearts. Of course, right? how could you not? And I sent you that picture. Just I was like, I have to take a picture right now because I'm about to just like. I my job. thought to myself after you sent me that when I got out of work that night, I was going home and I was like, maybe I'll go to Whole Foods and I'll get some Beyond Burgers. And then I honestly didn't because I was like, no matter what I do, it will not be as good mm-hmm. as the one that Danny's eating right now. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to achieve mm-hmm. the craving that I currently have based off of that photo. So I didn't it do it. So good. They had um, banana peppers and like this hot barbecue sauce from Dinosaur Barbecue. Oh, that sounds so and good. And blue cheese from I think it was PGA Foods. I don't know, yeah. but I don't know what that they is. They are a so, um, they're a Western really New York, I think Syracuse based. Casey talks about them. They oh, okay. they're kind of like, I guess if you want to compare things, they're kind of like the Bourbon and Wolf of of oh, okay. the Syracuse area, where they like per, they supply a lot of local restaurants with vegan things. Oh, okay. So like I think they do seitan, and I know they do a variety of cheeses. Um, Casey's always talking about like different restaurants that carry their stuff. Cause it was 
Andy was like, because uh, there was that that I sent you, and then there was um, um, like a po' boy, like a fried seitan mm. po' boy, and Andy was hesitant to get the burger because the you okay, never yeah, know, sure. and he's like, the blue cheese could be gross, and I'm like, well, whatever, I'll there's not gonna be that much, I'll I'll Ugh, do it, I'm so jelly. and it was actually so fucking good, Ugh. so shout out to them, and I mean, I happen to get your favorite milkshake, the it's my favorite, espresso. I get it every time, it's so good, and I had it laid out, we bought, I think. We bought a cup of soup and a muffin for my mom, three cupcakes. I had two cups of coffee, a burger, potato chips, and a milkshake. And I was like, oh, my God. I want that right now. It was everything right in the world. No. Truly. Strong hearts. If you, if any of you have any time to spend going through Syracuse, go to Strong Hearts. I have to go Strong Hearts on the Hill, their second location, Mm -hmm. because their menu is different. Yeah. Gotta go there sometime and check that out. Yeah. But I mean, OG Strong Hearts, I can't go wrong with. So good. The worst part is that you, in theory, have to make a decision on what milkshake. There's so many options. I know. I I honestly always get that one. I mean, I've tried some of the other ones, but I always just get that one because it's my favorite. And it's the perfect blend of cookie dough and espresso. Ugh. I made myself like a little homemade milkshake the other night. I just like literally threw a bunch of shit into the blender. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it was Cherry Garcia, Ben and Jerry's Cherry Garcia, mm-hmm. um, almond milk, uh, Oreos, and actual strawberries. And it was, like, really good. You really did take, like... I just, like, literally yeah. threw shit in a blender. But it was, like, really good. Just yeah. tasted kind of like a strawberry and chocolate milkshake. That sounds really good. good. Speaking of, we have to keep an eye out for the new Ben and Jerry's. Yes. I'm on a hunt. I know. It's cookie dough and... Give it to me. Caramel cluster or something, maybe? Either way, keep an eye out. If anyone sees them around this area, um, please let us know. I think that's all I got for food, though. I have nothing for food because so, I live a boring life. So, well, then until next time. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, we have our things. I know. I noticed that when I sat down. I was like, oh, oh man. This one's not mine. No, this one is mine. We haven't mine. clicked in so Maybe. long. All right. Are you ready? I hope we don't fuck it up. We're going to fuck. Oh, wait. Also, Patreon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Before we sign off, you have to go to patreon.com forward slash. Ooh, I forget. Is it the V spot? Forward slash the V spot. This is still new to me. Like, give me a break here. <laughs> um, And we'd love if you supported us because then you get to listen to the type five and see weird videos. Holy shit. People are going to get to see us. Like our faces and the weird things that we do with them as we talk. Yikes. Sorry about it. Um, And then you can go to the vspot.fm and see our weird faces on Instagram and see Andy tweet about things. Um, And just as a recap, um, definitely give Main Street Vegan a listen on iTunes or whatever you're listening to us on. Stitcher. Um, You can also follow Victoria on Instagram at Main Street Vegan, like at Main Street Vegan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think she's the same on Twitter and she has a Facebook page as well. It's all Main Street Vegan. Yeah. So cool. Go spend some time hanging out with your favorite vegans, Mm -hmm. Victoria Moran and And us. And us. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay, bye. Okay, bye. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. It was premature. Yeah. It's a, it's a butt plug. <laughs> what? What? <laughs>